John 16, verse 33, please. John 16, 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for another privilege to preach and for these that have come for the service. We're thankful, Lord, for what we've experienced already. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'd be with us now. Bless the service. Meet the need of every heart today. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to talk to you about how to have peace today. The cry of every generation has been for peace. Yet peace has eluded man. Jeremiah 8.15 says we look for peace, but no good came. <clears throat> we live in a world of disappointment, a world of war, a world of heartache and sorrow. But I'm glad it's possible to have peace. First of all, peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. And we like to talk about peace with God. The book of Ephesians chapter 2, let's turn there please and... Look at that scripture in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. If I can find it here, Ephesians chapter 2, page 1251, and verse number 14 through 18. The Bible says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Talking about Jew and Gentile there. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to making himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Came and preached peace to you which were far off, afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Well, man is at war with God. And uh, the reconciliation is made through the blood of Christ that uh, the enmity, the problem of sin has been dealt with through the cross. And therefore we can be at peace with God. First John 2, 2, He is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And he has in mind there the idea of the mercy seat. Under that mercy seat was the Ark of the Covenant that contained the Ten Commandments. And uh, the priest went back there and sprinkled the blood on that mercy seat. And God was appeased. Sin was not removed, but judgment was delayed until Calvary and the cross. And so therefore, he's the propitiation. He is the blood. He's the mercy seat. He is that that appeased God and satisfied God. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm glad that I have made peace with God. God's no longer my enemy. I'm no longer God's enemy. We are at peace through Jesus Christ. Then I'd like to talk to you about the peace of God. Let's turn on over to Philippians, the next book. Philippians chapter 4, and uh, you know, it's possible to be at peace with God and not enjoy the peace of God. This scripture changed my life, and I appreciate the word of God. 
I use this uh, as God's cure for worry. In Philippians 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing or worry about nothing. Uh, you know, we worry a lot, don't we? But we don't have to. He tells us why. Anybody ever tell you, don't worry? <laughs> uh, I know Mrs. Wright was sharing her testimony in Sunday school about having to leave her children and family. You know, that, 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 I, I think I could identify with that. I could understand that. And, and the turmoil that a person goes through uh, in, in having to make that kind of decision. Well, I'm sure the advice, well, don't worry. <laughs> well, it's easy to give advice, but God not only tells us not to do it, but he tells us how to keep from doing it. Notice, uh, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I think the key is everything. You know, we wait till we're overwhelmed to pray, don't we? We wait till there's nowhere else to turn to pray. But God said, I want to be involved in the details of your life. The Bible said, he numbers the hairs of my head. Not even a sparrow falls to the ground without his knowledge. You know what that tells me? That tells me God's interested in the details of my life. God wants to be involved in my life. I believe in that. I remember some years ago, a lady in the church, her grand, grandson had cut his finger, said, tell the preacher to pray for my finger. Well, some may think that was silly, but do you think God's interested in that little finger being cut? Sure God is. God's interested in the details of our life, in everything. Pray about the little things before they become mountains, and we're overwhelmed with these uh, problems of life. In everything, let your request be made known unto God. And what's the result? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'll tell you that wonderful peace. I want to trade the world for it. Being able to lie down at night and know if I never see morning, I've got a home in heaven. And then in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the turmoil, God can give you peace. What do people do without that? Many of you know the, the trials that we've been through in recent days and months. But I'm going to tell you, God's real. And in the midst of it all, in the midst of the storm, you can have peace. The peace of God. Well, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good reported, there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. You know why we worry? We think about the wrong thing. We think about, oh my, what am I going to do if this happens? What am I going to do? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to face this issue? Oh Lord, what am I going to do? And we get worried and concerned. The Lord says, I'll take care of it. And he says to think on these things. Get those negative thoughts out of your mind and start thinking about the positive things. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. Well, we can have the peace of God through prayer. We can have the peace of God through the word of God. Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law. 
Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. I cannot tell you how important the word of God is. It's not only important to keep us from sin, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But the word of God, when the storms of life come, they're a source of strength and comfort. Thank God for the word of God. Listen, what if we didn't have a heaven to look forward to? The tragedy is, as I think about this missionary, is there's many who don't know there's a better world. They don't know, and, they, and, and if they've even heard of it, they don't know how to get there. Somebody needs to care. Peace comes through prayer. Peace comes through the word of God. Peace comes by walking in the spirit. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, and peace, and the ninefold fruit of the spirit that is mentioned there in the word of God. The peace of God is a part of being a Christian, is available to the believer. If you've made peace with God, you can enjoy the peace of God. How to have peace with God, how to have the peace of God, and then uh, how to have peace in the home. I'm glad the Bible is a very practical book. Not only tells us about heaven and hell and about eternity, but it, tell, it deals with issues of life. Tells, tells a man how he ought to treat his wife and a wife how she ought to treat her husband. Tells you about bringing up children, how to train children, employer-employee relationships. The Bible is very practical. Many people miss the practical aspects of the Word of God. Listen, I believe the Bible uh, it has an answer to every problem of life. It may not deal specifically with every single issue, but the principle is there to guide you and direct you. And you can have peace in your home. Brother Fred Stillman that was with us a couple of Sunday nights ago and preached for us. I led him and his wife to the Lord one night on visitation. He, a man who was coming to our church had been saved and was in the church and, and he, he said, I have a friend I've been talking to. I want you to go by with me and see him. And we went by and he went home and we went and made another visit and came back by and he was getting kind of late and we noticed a light on. I said, well, should we stop? He said, yes, let's go ahead and stop. And we stopped and began to talk to them and they were in a liberal church and I witnessed to them about uh, the salvation of the Lord and asked them if they knew that they die, if they, if they were to die, they'd go to heaven. And they, they said, no, we don't know that. I said, would you like to know? And they said, more than anything in this world. And I was able to lead them to the Lord that night. And of course, God called him to preach and pastored many years and uh, but, uh, but what I was point I was getting to their home was, was having problems. Uh, and, uh, but when Jesus came in, when the Lord came in, he restored. In fact, he gave them something they never had. And they have, a, have had a wonderful home these years. God can give you peace in your home. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 7. And there's a lot I could say about the home, but I, I, I think it's summarized in this chapter. And verse 15 says, God hath called us to peace. 
He's comparing in this chapter the advantages uh, of, of a celibate life against the married life. That's the, that's the discussion of the chapter primarily. And uh, he makes some comments in verse uh, uh, 30. Let me begin reading verse 32 of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, page 12, 18, verse 32. But I would that you, but I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married care for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman care for the things of the Lord. She may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she that is married care for the things of the world as she may please her husband. Again, he's comparing the life, the unmarried life against the married life, but he, but he makes a statement. The married man cares for the things of his wife how he may please his wife. The married woman cares for the things of her husband as she may please her husband. You know the problem in the, the modern home is the man cares for himself and the wife cares for herself. That's the problem. And that's because people don't understand what love is. They marry for lust instead of love. Love, lust is what I can get from you. Love is what I can give you. For God so loved the world that he gave himself. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Love is giving. I care so much for you that I'm willing to give of myself that I may please you. That would solve the problems in our homes, wouldn't it? If the husband would say, I want to please my wife. I'm not interested in pleasing myself. I'm interested in pleasing my wife. The wife said, I'm not interested in pleasing myself. I'm interested in pleasing my husband. Don't you think that get rid of the problem? <laughs> Sometimes I counsel with people and they say, well, if he would do this and do this and do this, then I'd do better and vice versa. But if we obeyed the word of God, that would solve the problem. Pride and selfishness is the problem. You want to have peace in your home? Put Jesus Christ where he belongs. And, and obey the rule book. You know, men, are, we're, we have a problem with pride. I mean, you get some to put together and forget the instructions. <laughs> I can do it. When all else fails, read the instructions. You have problems? Read the instructions. You want to have a good home? You want to have a good marriage? Read the instructions. People say, well, who is to take the initiative? I believe the Bible clearly puts the burden on the husband. If there's conflict in the home, well, if she'd do right, I'd do right. No, that's, that's, not, that's not love, is it? God so loved, husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Who took the initiative in our case? Jesus, right? I wasn't looking for him. He's looking for me. And so the husband is to love the wife and take that first step. And then the wife likewise is to respond. Is to respond to that husband in giving herself. You can have peace in your home. Let me move on. 
You can have peace in the church. 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches, all churches of the saints. Romans 14, 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, things wherewith one may edify another. Galatians 5, 13, By love serve one another. God wants there to be peace. You know, most divisions and problems in churches are over frivolous things. You heard the story about the chandelier, didn't you? They were voting on a chandelier. Fellow said, I'm against it. Said, first of all, nobody in this church knows how to spell chandelier. Second of all, if we had a chandelier, there's nobody here that knows how to play it. <laughs> and thirdly, what we really need is more light in this building. <laughs> that funny little story sounds like some of the problems that we have, doesn't it? The things really that, that are unimportant. But God wants us to be at peace. Listen, we are a family. And he wants us to be at peace with one another, and I trust we are. God wants there to be peace in the home and peace in the church. And, and I'm continually hearing about conflict and, and, and confusion and division and all in churches. And I think the devil is rejoicing. Amen. But God wants us to be at peace with one another. And we need to keep in focus what we're here for. And, uh, you know, we're, we're here primarily to do God's business, and that's to win people to Christ. That'll be our primary focus. Everything that we do ought to be governed toward that. I want to reach people for the Lord and reach people for Christ. And then peace in the world. Oh, it hadn't come, has it? They say in all the history, the 6,000 years of man's history on this earth, there's been less than 200 years of peace. And all these hundreds of peace treaties that have been signed, and man, yet peace eludes man. I was listening to the news, and Israel uh, has uh, you know, left the land of uh, Lebanon there, the country of Lebanon, that, that area. And, and you know, as they were leaving, there was conflict, problems in the world. And president after president's tried to bring peace to that area and yet they've not succeeded. And they won't succeed until Antichrist makes a false peace. Now that won't last, by the way. Jesus is the, he's the one that's going to bring peace and until, until he comes, we're going to have war and rumors of war. We're going to have conflict. We're going to have a troubled world until the Prince of Peace sits on the throne. They said about World War I, the war to end all wars. But World War II had four times as many casualties. And then other wars have followed. Peace has eluded man. Jesus, the angel said in Luke 2, 14, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
Isaiah 9, 6 said, He is the Prince of Peace. Romans 12, 18, If it be possible as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes war seems to be unavoidable, but the Lord says if it's possible, try to live at peace, even with the enemies. You know, the best way, someone said the best way to get rid of the enemies is to make a friend out of them. That's what the Lord taught, wasn't it? Now let's turn to Micah, and I love this scripture. Micah. You know where Micah's at? Page 948. That's why you have to have a Schofield Bible. When the preacher says, turn to Micah. Micah chapter 4. Micah chapter 4. And uh, the Lord talks about a time of peace, a time of world peace. Micah chapter 4, verse 1. Page 948. But in the last days it shall come to pass at the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. Many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. None shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. What a day that's going to be. I am told that verse 3, a part of verse 3 is is uh, in the cornerstone of the United Nations building. But I want to tell you today that that's not the organization that's going to get it done. In fact, I'm against disarmament. You read Joel chapter 3 and you'll be against it too. The exact opposite is said in Joel chapter 3. Prepare for war, really. Beat your plowshares into spears. And, and the exact opposite of this verse is there. As B.R. Lincoln said, how can you have peace with a loose devil, a coming antichrist in the battle of Armageddon yet to be fought? We're not going to have world peace until the Prince of Peace sits on the throne in Jerusalem and rules this world with a rod of iron. I'm looking forward to that day and all the weapons of war will be destroyed. And it's going to be a great day when the plowman will overtake the reaper, when the earth will produce until they won't have time to gather it in. When they, when they visited, you remember they sent the spies in, they visited the land of Canaan, they came back with grapes, took two of them to carry it, a cluster of grapes. That's, that's with the curse of God on it. Think of what it's going to be when Jesus is here and he lifts that curse. It's going to be a great day. The tree of life, the river of life. I'm talking about the eternal age now. Twelve manner of fruits yielding a crop every month. And we'll sit by the water of life and enjoy God's creation forever and ever. I'm looking forward to that. We live in the land of the dying.
but we're going to the land of the living. That's our hope. In the midst of it all, you can have peace. That's what Jesus said. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But he said, I spoke these things unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Listen, you're going to have trouble. My family and myself, we went, we went for years and didn't have a lot of problems. But the last year has been one of continued problems. Man that is born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. If you live long enough, you'll have your share. But the Lord says in the world you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. But thank God there's a better world, isn't there? There's a better day. I'm glad of that. My heart broke. My son-in-law broke down and cried like a baby. My heart went out to him. It's tough being married a couple of years. Cancer's a terrible thing, isn't it? But I'm glad there's a God. There's a God in heaven who understands their sorrow and their heartache. You try to stay strong and bottle up your feelings, and then there comes a point that you just can't handle it any longer, you know. There's a God that's given us hope of a better day. In me, you can have peace. It's only where it can be found is in the Lord. You'll not find it in this world. This world will disappoint you. But in Jesus, in spite of it all, you can have peace. Aren't you glad there's a better day? I think of my loved ones that's already gone to the other side. I'm glad one of these days I'll meet him again. Glad I'm saved. Glad I can tell others this wonderful good news. Let's bow our heads, please.